I've got problems. Got a problem with a lot of the stuff going on in the denomination, and uh, I'm usually talking about stuff going on that the institution is doing or that's that's happening around uh, annual conferences. But there are problems I have with my own tribe, the conservative faction, and I started a series. is going to be the second installment called the Bitter Medicine series uh, because I believe that without correcting some of these phenomena, we're going to be going through the same thing in the future, whether or not you're going to the Global Methodist Church or another tribe, if we do not adjust course, if conservatives do not know how to be different, then we're going to continue to perpetuate some really unfortunate trends that we've seen so far. My name is Jeffrey Rickman. This channel is called Plain Spoken. Uh, sometimes I do reports on annual conferences or different topics, uh, and if, if you haven't seen anything that I've done, go ahead and look back. Um, I just before I, I start chewing people out, I want to thank people for supporting me and supporting this channel. Something happened this last week. I'm getting all kinds of feedback from all over the place. Just want to remind you, if you want to email me directly, uh, I'm at plainspokenpod at gmail.com. That's the email address to use for me. And then um, if you have things that you want me to report on, um, then I, I, I appreciate all the encouragement, but send me stuff. Send me links. Send me videos. I can save them, put them together, and and come up with a, a report on that. So uh, thanks for all the, the encouragement. Send it to the right place. Send me stuff. I really appreciate you. All right, so the, the general topic I want to ream people out for today is the behavior of large churches. Now remember, this is out of love, but large churches generally have large staffs and large budgets. They're finding themselves in the situation now where I'm getting calls emails from people very concerned, what can we do to get out of our annual conference? We're, we are holding our disaffiliation vote. We've already held it. We're going to come before the, the special called conference and whatever annual conference they're in. We don't know if we have the votes. Things feel hostile. What can we do? And part of what needs to be said is this is a bed of your own making. Um, large churches have had the resources and the know-how for a long time to collaborate with other churches, and yet have largely chosen not to. Now, I'm not saying with every—I'm sure there are some exceptions. Maybe there are some larger churches and other annual conferences that have intentionally networked and built up relationships with other churches in the connection, but generally speaking, they have not. Generally speaking, large churches have been all about their large church and their insular and their uh, self-reinforcing I remember one time it seemed so exceptional to me. I was serving in Idaho, and there was one of our largest churches. I was visiting with one of their pastors, and I saw that they had a cool curriculum, and she said, well, just take it. It's, it's yours now. We don't need it anymore. And I thought, why doesn't this happen more often? You know, large churches can, hypothetically, should uh, resource smaller churches. Now, I know the annual conference administration has generally inserted itself in the middle there and said, we will be the ones redistributing stuff. But what that has resulted in is annual conferences have a monopoly power over the dissemination of information within every annual conference. And that has left large churches largely vulnerable to what the annual conference wants to do. So part of what I've got to ream large conservative churches out for is we who claim the heritage of Wesley have largely left connectionalism to the annual conference rather than exercising it yourselves. I'm not going to say ourselves. I'm not, a, I'm not a large church guy. I'm a small church guy. 
I remember Adam Hamilton and the, the, the denominational study, I forget what it was called, it was General Conference 2012, they talked about how siloed churches are and how they're just little dominions to themselves and they're not connected to other uh, local churches and how big a problem that was. And I actually think that that's, that's true. We have these, these, uh, these large churches that just become uh, a little dominion to themselves, and it's, it, I understand why it happens. It's, it's very annoying to have to negotiate with other people about how you want to do things, especially if uh, they're poor, ignorant, small, rural churches. But the thing is, in order for you to get done what you want to get done, you need the consent and cooperation of others, don't you? I mean, that's the whole government, uh, conciliar government model that we have. This is not something coming out of nowhere. We gather every year at annual conference where we vote on stuff together. You have all these clergy that you could be building relationships. You have all this lay leadership you could bu- uh, be equipping and building relationships with. And yet, how many large churches are coming to annual conference gatherings and they have no idea how people are going to vote. They really don't know that many people in the annual conference, and they feel, as anyone would feel, very vulnerable because in lots of these states, they don't have a leg to stand on if they want to uh, contest in court what the annual conference decides. So this is, in case I wasn't clear the first time I came around to it, this is a bet of your own making. Um, I'm very irritated with large, rich churches that have decided to put themselves first. You know, these are the ones I'm talking to right now are the ones left, but there are a lot of large, rich churches that saw the writing on the wall, and right whenever disaffiliation was opened, they were out the door. They were not staying behind to galvanize and equip the troops and move out together. Rather, they just said, we got to get out of here as fast as we can, and that left in a lot of conferences a lot of churches behind that may be trapped now, and that's that's on you guys. I, I'm really frustrated about that. But there are still some large churches left. If you belong to a large church that already disaffiliated, I want to go ahead and exhort you to go ahead and, and start trying to organize those left behind. Use your resources for the good of those left behind rather than leaving them in the dust. If you're a church that's still in the fold, then I think there's still some stuff that can and should be done. And so I want to, you know, I wanted to chew you out and then I wanted to exhort and encourage you. Um, immediately, you should be doing what you can to build up connections and disseminate information. You should be contacting the clergy that you already know. You should be asking to get connected with other clergy, and you should be letting them know where your heart is and how you see it. Now, some people might ask, I'm, I'm a big church pastor. I've got all these programs to oversee. Surely I can't be expected to put all those aside and focus on people uh, in this way. And I would say, first off, you know, uh, <laughs> if it's an important thing, then yeah, you're going to put aside whatever you need to. But secondly, if you oversee a large staff, you can reassign them to stuff. You know, if you as a church have gotten clear that this is the number one priority, then you need to to reorient and get people on the phone, reaching out to the people they know, building connections. You need to put together. I remember um, Asbury Church here in, in in my annual conference. They put together. Uh, a web page that had all of their resources on it that they could direct their own people to, just so happened that people outside of the church could access it as well. It was a good resource. You need to be resourcing people to know what they're talking about so that they're not making a decision on the floor of annual conference. If you're thinking that everybody is just going to show up on the day of and make the right decision, then you're not very smart. 
because what annual conference session often reflects is people who are just being reactive and reflexive, and whoever can emotionally manipulate them the best is going to get their way. Um, Generally speaking, with laity, that's what you're going to get. With clergy, you've got a lot more people being kind of entrenched in their own position. So so I was going to say, reorient your church around building connections right now to get ready for the special called conference that's coming up. Second is, work collaboratively with other uh, uh, coalitions and groups in your annual conference. Every single annual conference has a WCA chapter. I don't know. I've, I've called a lot of WCA coordinators. Very few of them have had much cooperation in their annual conference. A lot of large churches in particular have chosen to be skeptical of WCA leadership, which I just think is really foolish. And that's not to say WCA is perfect or all of their leaders are beyond reproach, but that is to say don't let the perfect become the enemy of the good. You work with what you've got and you build it up. And I just think so many people in leadership just don't have it in them to compromise or to take somebody else's lead, especially if you're used to getting your own way, but that's what's required in the moment. So build up connections with other churches, not just their clergy. Figure out who the lay leadership is. Start a list of who the different lay delegates are uh, to annual conference and do what you can to make sure that they know where your heart is, how it is that you're seeing things. I am, I'm going to anticipate there are some churches that will hear this and go, annual conference leadership will not respond well to this. This will be seen as a misinformation campaign. And in a lot of annual conferences, they've been very explicit that there is to be no information provided that is not explicitly and directly from the annual conference itself, to which I would just say, this needs to be an informal effort. You know, the, if you're uh, titling a new ministry and forming a new organization and, and doing everything under that umbrella, that's kind of foolish. But if it's individuals from your church, you know, we just talked about staff. You also have people on committees. You also have just dedicated lay members. You have retired people that are going to care a lot about the future well-being of your church. Give them the list of churches and phone numbers and email addresses. Put them in charge of collaborating together, reaching out. And you know what? If the annual conference wants to make a stink about that, then I'm of the mind they were already going to make a stink. They were already going to find something wrong. Remember, North Georgia closed the doors long ago over supposed misinformation that never got very specific. I'm, I'm of the mind that, that we have to use the time and the resources that we have to God's glory and to the benefit of his saints, and if we don't, then we deserve whatever bad happens. You know, it, it really is kind of a shame that a lot of these churches are looking at extreme legal options rather than um, building up uh, a new network of relationships that could maybe extend into the future. What should have happened here is large churches taking the lead to facilitate a sober conversation and help the churches of their annual conferences discern where they belong. There are many churches that belong within the United Methodist Church that are going to fit very well with the future vision and culture of that group. But there are a lot of churches that are not going to fit well at all, but they're not equipped to have the conversation on their own. They need leadership, and depending on what annual conference you're in, the annual conference is not going to equip them for a sober conversation. That's your job. If you have an understanding of what the denominational picture is like and what the threats are of the future, you don't have to be perfect in your knowledge, but you just have to be willing to draw a connection and share information and be willing to learn yourself as well. That's what the whole dream of connectionalism is. 
I'm not against, I, I think connectionalism is key to Methodism, but the problem is it's been so long since we did it in any recognizable way, maybe we don't even know how to do it. Annual conference is supposed to be a gathering of people who feel like they know each other, like they've been doing shared ministry together, and so often it feels like a class reunion where you haven't seen each other for at least a year. That's not how it's supposed to be. So I, I don't know how I want to wrap this up. I want to wrap this up to encourage you. It, it is not over till it's over. And you might have your last special called conference a month from now. It might be in October or November. You have a certain amount of time to get going. And if you haven't yet, you need to get your rear in gear and you need to try and get the votes how they need to be at the special called conference so that however the vote goes, you're able to say we did all that we could. But you sure don't want it on your conscience that you went to court and you did all this extreme, uh, you blew all this money on lawyers if you didn't even take the time to build up connections with your peers in your annual conference. So let me exhort you, if you haven't been a very good member of the annual conference, if you could have taken leadership and you haven't, then repent and start doing now what you should have been doing all along. I, I'll just zoom out at the end here and say, if conservative large churches had taken leadership the way that I would have had them do it, I'm not sure that we would be in the situation that we are today. I've got a whole other uh, bitter medicine coming down the hopper on how it is that, that conservatives chose to be nice when we should have been emphatic and intolerant of a number of things that have happened over the years. So uh, I don't know when I'm going to do that. Um, if, if you're still with me, I, I don't know what report I'm doing next. There was a, uh, a family-friendly drag show in Lincoln, Nebraska that I'm looking at. I'm looking for footage for, from that if, if anybody has anything. And then I don't know which annual conference I want to report on next, but um, I've continued filling out that spreadsheet with um, uh, membership and attendance and financials, and oh boy, has that been um, illuminating. So uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Stay tuned to what I'm putting out. It's going to continue to be really, God willing, insightful and helpful for understanding the waters we're swimming in, how we're going to navigate through. But conservatives, if you took offense to this, then you're not a true conservative. Because <laughs> the whole thing is we have to be open to reproach and correction and rebuke. That's just all over the scriptures. But if you're a conservative, then you have to be able to receive rebuke and um, and I hope you have. I hope that this has been good medicine, whether or not it's been bitter. And I hope we do see more collaborative effort into the future in connectionalism. God be praised. I'll see you later.